Hello and welcome to Affable Chat. My name is Benjamin and this is my co-host Joey. Hello, how's it going? And today is our Christmas episode. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Slice some jingle bells or something. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> some, a little bit of Christmas sounds in post Yeah, here. yeah, Christmas sounds. Um, and to uh, celebrate, we are discussing a Christmas movie, and that Christmas movie is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <sighs> hey. If any of you are looking for any last-minute gift ideas for me, I have one. I like Frank Shirley, my boss, right here tonight. I want him brought from his happy holiday slumber over there in Melody Lane with all the other rich people. And I want him brought right here with a big ribbon on his head. And I want to look him straight in the eye and I want to tell him what a cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blood. Sucking, dog-kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat-ass, bug-eyed, stiff-legged, spotty-lipped, worm-headed sack of monkey shit he is! Hallelujah! Holy shit! Where's the Tylenol? This is a raunchy Christmas family comedy. Directed by Jeremiah S. Chechik. The cast includes Dusty Bottoms, Ellen Griswold, Leonard Hofstetter from a show I've never heard of. I think it's called Bing Bong Theory. Is that that's what you? Have I can't here? believe you haven't heard of it. It's very popular. Bing Bong yeah. Theory. Yes. <laughs> Juror number four, Marie Barone, Russell Case, Elaine Bettis, and Bill Murray's brother. I watched this movie on HBO Max. Joey, how did you watch it? Back on HBO Mid. Um, this time. In the adventures of HBO Mid, I was <laughs> gathering the quotes for this movie, and I was playing it on my um, on my computer this time, not on my phone, like I do when I watch the movie. And it uh, kept <laughs> stalling on me. Like yes. I would record the first five seconds, and then it would just stop. And Absolutely. Then I uh, had so much trouble with it. I thought yeah, of you while I was watching this movie because I kept pausing it and rewinding it, and then it would just say. We, not allowed. I'm sorry. Kidding. Yeah. It what? Would, it would you just watch break this movie? down. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. I'm gonna downgrade it. I didn't actually watch this on HBO Max. I watched it on HBO Mid, just like Joey. And they need to fix their service because I pay way too much money for this thing to be as glitchy. I can't as it believe is. no one at HBO uses HBO Max. That's the thing that's confusing to me. Well, they probably do. They just watch Space Jam Two on loop, right? Uh, because it contains every intellectual property they have on HBO right. Max. Right. I just want to watch every movie at once. So I just watch Space Jam Two. It makes perfect sense. <laughs> Okay, um, but we're talking about uh, Christmas Vacation today. We're going to start uh, by reviewing the events of this movie with a synopsis that was written by Joey. Joey, go ahead. Clark Griswold wants to have the perfect Christmas, which means starting with the perfect Christmas tree. He, his wife, and his two kids travel to the middle of the woods to find a ginormous tree. They uproot it and bring it home. Soon after, both sets of in-laws arrive for their extended stay in the Griswold home. Clark gets to work on the lights, setting up 25,000 bulbs all over his house. Of course, when he plugs it in, it doesn't work. Meanwhile, at work, Clark is expecting his Christmas bonus, which he plans on using to install a pool in his backyard. However, the bonus is late this year, which is making Clark anxious. Through some cartoon shenanigans, Clark gets locked in his attic and stays up there, watching old home videos of Christmas's past. Then he gets the lights working, finally! 
That's when his cousin Eddie shows up in his rickety old trailer. Eddie and his hillbilly family weren't invited, but Clark wants this holiday to be perfect, so he invites them to stay. Things escalate as Eddie's chaotic vibe overtakes the house. He breaks stuff, says the most outrageous things, and spews his literal shit in the street like it's the Middle Ages. <laughs> the rest of the family arrives, specifically Aunt Bethany and Uncle Lewis, two old people so oblivious that Aunt Bethany accidentally wraps up her cat as a present. Then the whole family sits down for dinner. Aunt Bethany says the Pledge of Allegiance, and they dig into the driest turkey in movie history. The cat, no longer constrained by its gift box, chews through the lights on the tree and gets fried. Soon after, Uncle Lewis burns the tree down while lighting a cigar. Clark receives his bonus check, but instead of the extra money he has been relying on for the last 17 years, he gets a free membership to the Jelly of the Month Club. This is the final straw for Clark. He goes on an epic rant about his company's cheap CEO, begins chugging eggnog, and grabs his chainsaw. He cuts down one of the trees in his yard and brings it inside. Unfortunately, the tree has a squirrel in it, which gets loose and leads Eddie's dog on a path of destruction through the house. Clark and his dad have a heart-to-heart, -heart, and Clark realizes that despite everything he tries, it won't always go perfectly. As he reads The Night Before Christmas, what to his wandering eye should appear but Frank Shirley, his CEO, tied up and quivering with fear. You see, Cousin Eddie went and found Shirley, kidnapped him on Christmas Eve, and delivered him to Clark so that Clark could tell Shirley what for. Clark appeals to Shirley, and Shirley demonstrates the quintessential capitalist trait of cowardice. He agrees to give Clark his bonus, plus 20%. The police and Shirley's wife arrive and all of them chastise him for not giving Clark his bonus. They go outside where Uncle Lewis lights another cigar, which ignites the toxic waste from Eddie's trailer and sends a Santa decoration soaring across the sky. Aunt Bethany leads the family in the star-spangled banner as they reflect on the meaning of Christmas. The end. So there we have it. The events of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Let's begin our analysis with our pros and our cons. Joey, what did you like about this movie? Um, it's memorable. It has a lot of quotable fun moments. Um, I think that the humor mostly holds up, actually. Um, if you, I would go out to say, if you like this movie in uh, 1980s when it came out and you watched it again today, you would still find a lot of it very funny. Um, even today by today's comedy standards um, and there's also I kind of like that it's just a simple story about an ordinary family there's no Christmas magic or anything going on it's just you know the togetherness of Christmas what about you what did you like about this movie I think Chevy Chase is fantastic he's the lead man he carries a lot of the weight of this movie on his shoulders there's a lot of fun stunts. This movie goes out of the way to do a lot of physical comedy. And I think that um, whether or not that physical comedy really contributes to the overall story, I think it's done well and it's, it's fun and memorable. Uh, it, this movie features a lot of classic American Christmas traditions. I think it tries to be a Christmas movie and it succeeds at that. And uh, <laughs> like you said, for the most part, the comedy does still hold up. Uh, you know, a lot of comedies that are the same age or older than this movie or younger or yeah or, or sorry younger you know just comedy does not always age well and it's remarkable how much of this movie uh is still funny 
uh, just like you said. So let's move on to our cons. Joey, what did you not like about this movie? So I know this is going to sound like a contradiction, but even though I think the humor holds up, I don't think this movie is funny. I don't. I didn't laugh that much at it. Um, I feel like the story is very hollow and devoid of any message or meaning, which is unique for and difficult to do for a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> it um it plays second to giving each character their own wacky slapstick moments that, that the story does. Um, at points, it's utterly repulsive. There were moments where I thought I was going to throw up, and it feels trashy. <laughs> And, and I cannot disagree with you more about Chevy Chase. I find him off-putting, unsettling, uncanny. Um, so well, I'd love to go. hear um, a little bit more Yo, about you'll hear it. why. Oh, you'll hear it. Um, some of the things I didn't like about this movie, I think the boss's change of heart is completely contrived and unearned uh, at the end of this movie. Like It was the thing that made me want to do an episode about this movie, was watching it. And it, it had been a few years since I'd seen this movie. I've seen it before, but it had been a while since I'd seen it around Christmas time. And I was like, wait a second. What? He just, <laughs> he just changed his mind like that? <laughs> and, and I was like, well, I need to go back and st- like pay closer attention to see if there was anything they did to build up to that. But they absolutely didn't. And there's other problems as well. There's, there's some unnecessary horniness in this movie, uh, <laughs> which I... Listen, this is supposed to be a, a Christmas movie you watch with your family. But also, um, I don't understand the point of the yuppies next door. Why are we supposed to hate them? Uh, mm. These are all things we can talk about more in detail. I'm just listing them out right now. And finally, I think they took too many shots at Aunt Bethany. Uh, I think there's a place to you can have like a joke about old people being senile. But my goodness, they never stopped going after Aunt Bethany she's, for being old. She's not even that old. You know, yeah. I mean, she's 80, right? Which is old, right? And, you know, forgetful. But like, it's not, she's, she's got a serious problem. She does. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it borders on just absolute uh, abuse. Bu- yeah. Ab- like <laughs> abuse and bullying to, to treat her, to make her the butt of every joke right. when she enters the picture. So uh, anyway, so those are my cons. Um, so now let's get a little bit more into uh, our discussion on this movie with our overall section. And I want to start that off with this quote. Dad, can you explain again what we're doing? Sure, Russ. We're kicking off our fun old-fashioned family Christmas by heading out into the country in the old front-wheel drive sleigh to embrace the frosty majesty of the winter landscape and select that most important of Christmas symbols. We're not driving all the way out here so you can get one of those stupid ties with the Santa Clauses on it, are we, Dad? No, I have one of those at home. What we're looking for today is the Griswold family Christmas tree. So I felt like this quote prefaces the movie well and sets up for what it's going to be, an observation and celebration of secular Christmas in America. There's an alternate version of this movie that could exist where Clark says the most important of Christmas symbols is the little baby Jesus in a manger, and they're on their way to buy lawn decorations because Clark wants to have the biggest manger scene in the whole neighborhood, and he wants to sing the loudest in church and so on and so forth. You know, he wants to be the most enthusiastic about Christian Christmas, Sure, Uh, but that's not what this movie is. This movie is strictly secular. And save for the scene where Ellen Griswold is praying for her life not to die in a car crash, it's completely (laughs) devoid of any reference to Christmas as a Christian holiday, which is fine. From what I've observed, Christmas is just as much a secular holiday as it is a religious holiday in America. In fact, 
Clark Griswold displays an almost religious reverence for secular Christmas. He's willing to hike all the way into the wilderness to find the perfect tree, even if his daughter freezes half to death in the process. He's willing to risk serious bodily injury and electrical hazard so that he can put up the most spectacular Christmas light arrangement. But it's not portrayed as going too far or really being misguided. This movie frames this as more of just being overly enthusiastic. In fact, it seems that Clark actually has a solid grasp on some of the most positive aspects of Christmas. Just listen to the way he responds to his wife's worries about having both sets of parents stay with them for Christmas. I think you're forgetting how difficult it's going to be having everybody in the house at the same time. Honey, they're family. They're not strangers off the street. All they do is argue. Christmas is about resolving differences and seeing through the petty problems of family life. Yeah. Later, Clark offers to buy Christmas gifts on behalf of his cousin, Eddie, who is going through rough financial times. He says it isn't charity, it's family. Clark (laughs) demonstrates that he already has a pretty solid grasp on the meaning of Christmas, but he just gets caught up in all the high expectations of wonder and whimsy, which we see are expectations that he puts on himself. Right. And I think that that's one of his most like defining characteristics is his like ideology or like he's very idealistic, right? He's like, I want this to be a perfect Christmas. That means having everything here means that means never saying no to family showing up or whatever opportunity comes up, right? Uh, it's about embracing all of these things because that's what you're supposed to do on Christmas, regardless of like the practicality of any of these things, right? It's about putting on the perfect show, putting on the perfect event. Um, and it yeah i don't know for me that's very uh i I don't relate to that very much because i feel like you should be free to make your own traditions like you should that's how you make something special is if you don't constantly try to keep up with the joneses you try to you know make it into something unique and new for you right and sure like you do a lot of things that are the same for everyone but it doesn't necessarily mean you have to do everything that everyone wants to do um and if there's a situation that makes your Christmas unsafe. Maybe uh, you should <laughs> <laughs> cut back on that or something. Sure, definitely. But like, that's what makes the movie like fun and makes Clark Griswold an interesting character, right? Is that like he is willing to throw caution to the wind for, uh, for the sake of what he believes in. Sure. And, you know, that kind of enthusiasm is infectious and it kind of, you know, the, you watch a Christmas movie and you're like, man, I want to be enthusiastic about Christmas as well. Um, and I think this is a good opportunity to appreciate Chevy Chase's performance as Clark Griswold. So here's my case for why I like him. Okay. I look forward to hearing why you don't like him. Um, personally, just this movie and beyond, I think Chevy Chase is a great leading man. He's funny and expressive. Um, especially in his youth. Um, when he's enthusiastic about something, it's easy to get on board with that enthusiasm. We root for him, but he's also kind of a clown, so we don't mind seeing him smack himself in the face with a <laughs> ladder or fall off the roof. Um, and this movie would not be complete with a, without a steaming serving of his piping hot rage. This movie rests on his shoulders and he carries that weight well, like I said before. Um, And I think he is a big reason why this movie is considered a classic uh, because of his big performance as Clark Griswold. I think that 
It's really interesting we're watching this movie right after we did our series on Florence Pugh because to me, this whole movie hinges on Chevy Chase's performance, whether or not you find him like charming or, or uh, you know, persuasive, I suppose. And the same thing was true with the other movies that we had just watched where so much of the story rested on a single actor's ability to deliver. Um, and when they do a great job, the movie turns out amazing. And when they do a poor job, like I think Chevy Chase does in this movie, it becomes a mess to me. I think, I think ultimately the reason why I don't like Clark Griswold, the character, is because he's played by literal ham Chevy Chase. Um, but <laughs> literal like, ham? Yes. Like, he's so, he's so over the top. He's so, like, his expressions don't match what's going on. And sure, like, it's, it's funny to see him be so like over the top and be like, oh man, I, I, I'm so angry. I'm going to start kicking things and cursing and stuff. But like that doesn't display to me any sort of talent. All it displays to me is just being a wacky guy on set. Like I couldn't bring myself to ever like believe that he was a real person. And I think that's kind of where it comes down to. Uh, <laughs> let's pretend that like, you know, I, let's pretend for a second that that's not what it, what it was. Let's just, just pretend for a second that I'm just looking at Clark Griswold as a character, right? Watching this movie. Watching Christmas Vacation is like waking up in an alternate universe where everything is the same but subtly different. Where your wife is married to some creep instead of you. Your kids have been replaced by robots and your dog has two assholes. You know something is wrong. It just feels wrong. And yet, you can't quite put your finger on it. Clark Griswold is charming, well-intentioned, and enthusiastic. Sure, he's a little overly ambitious, and sometimes when he gets mad, he expresses that anger through destruction. But that is just an extension of his passion, man! He wants everyone to be together for Christmas and to feel the love of his family all around him. And yet, there is something there, not present in the text, something beneath the surface, something that feels off. Almost like the whole movie revolves around making Clark look like some good guy, like he's acting in some sort of performance that is both inflating his ego and putting a favorable persona forward to the world. Look at me. I'm the good guy. Look at all the good things I'm doing. It's just not convincing to me. It leaves me with this uncanny feeling like the movie is trying to tell me something I know it isn't true. It's frankly unsettling. Makes my skin crawl just to think about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know what you're talking about with this you know, it kind of revolves around making Clark look like a good guy because just look at the scenes that take place at work. The first thing we find out through a conversation between him and his coworker, I think Bill is his name. Sure. And he goes like, hey, you did a great job at creating a food additive, which is what we do here at this Crunch, company. Um, what was it called? Crunch enhancer. Yeah. <laughs> Where it like, <laughs> makes sure that the milk doesn't like, make it soggy. It protects the flake. So, yes. So he says, he's like, you are good at your job. And the implication here is you deserve to be well compensated, right? Right. And then when he asks him what he's going to do with his yearly bonus, Clark is like, I'm getting a pool put in. And instead of saying, oh, I don't envy you with all that pool maintenance you're signing up for (laughs) or saying, "Um, wow, what a waste of money. Instead, Bill says, 
you're the last true family man. Exactly. And then we get Clark thanking his boss for the Christmas card. His boss says, I don't even realize that we sent Christmas cards. Also, I hate you, essentially. And then he like gives him a present. Like He's always juxtaposed with this clear, like terrible person and uh, made to be seen as some sort of like great guy. Uh, and that... Right. To the, there's two ways I take that. First is it's like kind of lazy writing, and it's also just <laughs> expedited plot. We need a reason to for there to be an over like arcing conflict, and we need to make sure that Clark is the good guy in that conflict. Yes, otherwise exactly. it won't be easy for us to tie it up into a neat bow literally instantly at the end. I think that it, it's just there's so much about this movie that makes that just feels wrong to me. And it's based all around this idea of like inflating Chevy Chase's ego. I mean, even the scenes where he's like sort of unhinged and he's like, you know, acting crazy. It's it's still in a way that's like cool. You know, he's never like put off to be he's it's never technically in the wrong. Right. He's never te- like um, uh, made to look f- totally foolish. He just looks kind of nuts a little bit a little too a little like he cares a little bit too much you know which is like a classic you know <laughs> interview weakness you know it's like ah uh, you know i just the thing my biggest weakness is that i just love christmas too much and that makes my family crazy you I, know what i mean I, I think most of the time you're right this movie does do a lot to make sure you, you still see him as a good guy but i don't know how you felt when i when you saw him setting up that ladder but i was hoping that he'd fall like I was looking forward for the like the mayhem of him getting hurt. So I didn't I, like I that. I like I said before, it's like he's almost like a clown where I I'm like happy to see him take some hits and sure. and fail because he rides the line between the guy I'm rooting for, but also the guy that I'm happy to see you know lose. That's true. I mean, there are a lot of moments where he's like hitting the head or like, you know, you know, things just don't go wrong, just go wrong for him because he's sort of an idiot. Um, but like, that's the sort of classic sitcom dad, you know, trope too. It's, it, I don't know. And maybe this is, I mean, maybe this movie is old enough to uh, claim to be an arbiter of that, you know, to, to have sort of created that. But it's like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, uh, I didn't like <laughs> how, um, like over the top he was how hammy he was and there was all this all these things were pointing at him saying he's a good guy he's a good guy you should like him and it just put me off you know it just turned me in the other direction um and i was just not uh, i was not on board for it and the rest and the rest of the movie didn't do it do it any favors for me either really yeah yeah and i i think that considering it in the within the broader landscape of this whole movie um makes it harder to latch on to like i'm definitely aware that i've seen this movie so many times that it's like kind of ingrained in me to enjoy seeing it's like i'm seeing this movie which must mean it's christmas time i enjoy christmas time so it must be a good movie right and then the same thing with um chevy chase because there's so many movies i've seen with him that i really enjoy where it kind of endears him to me as an actor so in a situation where someone else might view him as being overly hammy i might be like no this is chevy chase and that's why i like him so i I do think there's like it's easy to have a difference of opinions on something like this have you seen the other vacation movies? I have not. So this is the third one, technically. Mm-hmm. This is also the one that's, I think, the best received. Um, like, most people like it, and it, I think it made the most money in the box office and other things. Um, and I think that colors this movie 
in a different light as well. Because I think, because uh, although there's a kind of a running gag where the kids are played by different actors in every movie, like Clark Griswold is a familiar character to a lot of people. And so seeing this, uh, you know, come to life again for Christmas, um, I think was a welcome kind of change and um, a, you know, maybe it's like a bit of a nostalgia or just kind of return to something um, with familiar characters that um, I think appealed to a lot of people too. Um, and I think if you were to watch all of these, I think you would see similar, I think you would see consistency for Chevy Chase that would, it would endear you to him. So. Sure. And um, honestly, um, I think it says something about this movie that it can be enjoyed as a standalone film, despite being right. the, the third in a saga of <laughs> National Lampoon. Right. Well, they're, you know, they're, they're kind of loosely sequential, right? So. It doesn't, you don't have to see it that way. Right, right. Um, but like kind of going off this idea that this is like, I consider this to be kind of a classic Christmas movie. Um, I think that goes a long way to endear it to audiences because throughout the movie, Clark Griswold experiences all the joys and pains of a typical middle-class American Christmas in the late 80s. He goes shopping. He hides presents. He sets up a Christmas tree. He has to deal with his relatives. He watches old home movies. He puts up decorations. He drinks eggnog. He eats a big family meal and the turkey's too dry. They watch the Christmas parade. They watch It's a Wonderful Life. The grandpas fall asleep in front of the TV. This movie had no shortage of opportunities for you to, for you as the viewer to point and snap your fingers and say, hey, hey, that's just like what we do. And I think that's the number one reason why this movie is a classic or can be considered a classic. It really does capture the essence of secular Christmas in America. And even though it's been more than 30 years, this movie still feels like the classic Christmas experience. And I would even go as far as to say is you could cut out the contrived plot points and just experience a Christmas with the Griswolds, and that would be entertaining enough. It would be braver for them to just skip the whole bonus check uh, like plot altogether and just let us watch the chaos of the Griswolds' house and say, that's Christmas. Yeah. No, I think that's like, I think there's something to that, you know, something that's a little bit more, um, uh, I don't know, a little artsy or like um, a little more conceptual where it's like, <laughs> just people just keep showing up right like the days keep ticking on and there's <laughs> yeah. just more and more people that keep showing up and they just keep accommodating them and making room for whatever and then you know you just kind of let that stand on its own and say like that's what christmas is all about is like you know uh coming together as a family and you know doing what you doing the best you can even though things go wrong um and i think that that works well as a, like a christmas message i think you're right like the plot sort of gets in the way of whatever like the thing that makes this movie uh, the better parts of what makes the movie good like what makes this movie sort of a classic christmas experience or almost like a capture of a certain type of christmas like in a jar right is um all the surrounding bits all the all the things that are part of the family totally agree yeah. that's like that i think is probably the best thing that i could pull out of this movie and then there is plenty else that <laughs> is not as great <laughs> okay 
So Christmas Vacation for me takes place in a bizarro fantasy world where the events of the story become more and more spectacular and outrageous with every moment culminating in the singing of the United States National Anthem on Christmas Eve. Central to that is Clark Griswold, our supposed hero and guide through these events. Um, but as for the rest of this movie, like uh, the parts that aren't just focused on Clark Griswold, I don't know. I feel like it just kind of sucks. And maybe I'm just tired of thinking about this, but like there are scenes and then they happen in an order and then, yeah, they just keep happening in an order. I don't know. Okay. The whole thing just feels so hollow to me. There is supposed to be this great connection about family coming together, but it honestly doesn't feel like that ever really happens. Every nice family moment is undercut for some gag. And when things are sweet and go right, it's only for Clark's direct benefit. It's like the lights working or the talk with his dad or the bonus check. Otherwise, it's just disaster after disaster. What I'm looking for in a movie that makes the claim that family is the reason for the season is for a payoff for the family coming together. They can, that they can basically have some sort of wonderful Christmas day and the kids are so happy with their presents. Um, and, you know, maybe despite everything going wrong, you know, the in-laws stop arguing for a few hours and Clark can look across his living room and say to himself, I did it, you know, and his wife comes up to him and said, no, honey, we did it. And they share a warm <laughs> embrace, you know, something to pay off the whole ordeal. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, it's like, everything comes together finally like all these things go wrong they have a terrible dinner there's a squirrel in the tree the dog breaks all this stuff and everything and then like they wake up the next morning and they have presents under the tree and everyone's happy and he's like and then he's like yeah you know what like it was a it was hell to get here we were on the precipice of hell uh, <laughs> yes. to, to, to get to this point but now it's all worth it right or you know something else like you know, so, uh, one of the family members uh, does something that's like really sweet, or you know, d d goes the extra mile or something. It's like, oh, like that's why we, that's why you're here is because like uh, you bring this extra energy to this, um, to this environment, and like having everyone here made that possible where it wasn't possible before, right? And like now yeah. we have this special memory, <laughs> and that was only possible because everyone was here celebrating Christmas. But like. They don't really do that in here. There's Not so like there's literally endless things you could do that would bring <laughs> something meaningful. Like you could also do like Clark, like you've been trying to do Christmas all by yourself. But what you yes. should do is let us help you do Christmas. And like maybe it's not perfect. Like you could have done the Aunt Bethany thing in a way more uh you know, in a way more positive light where it's like, hey, even though it's not perfect, even though she said the Pledge of Allegiance instead of praying, like the point is that we're all contributing to Christmas here. You know, the, the, yes. the family togetherness thing. I, I think it is very enlightening to point out that basically every success in this movie is almost wholly success for Clark Griswold and not necessarily for anybody else. Like it's great. He does say, I hope that this light display has brought you extra joy for like this Christmas season, but it's clearly him for him. It's him. Yeah. They, they're like, all out there to be like, everyone's out, job, there, Clark. everyone's out there pandering to his ego. <laughs> Even after the, the lights don't work, they're all like, it's okay, Clark, we'll get him next year. You know, like, <laughs> oh, like, literally two different people say, they still look nice even with the lights off. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god. And yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> anyway, there's a there is a scene in this movie where there is sort of a like a thesis, right? Where things sort of come together. And let me play that for you. No. It's the Christmas star. And that's all that matters tonight. Not bonuses or gifts or 
turkeys or trees. See, kids, it means something different to everybody. Now I know what it means to me. What does it mean to you, Clark? What exactly <laughs> does it mean to you? <laughs> I'm so confused. I, like, can you answer this for me? Does, no, does he no, say abs- what it, it means to him? No, I can't answer what it means. To him, what it means is getting his Christmas check plus 20%. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right. Okay, the, it feels hollow because it's not about the family at all. It's all about Clark Griswold, about his wants, his worries, his perverted fantasies. When he gets his Christmas bonus, that's when the tension is completed, when the story is over. But what about the other things? What about Cousin Eddie's problems and the gifts he wanted to give his kids? What about Uncle Louis and Aunt Bethany? Are they finally going to be put in a nursing home? (laughs) What about the yuppie neighbors and their thousands of dollars in damages? (laughs) What about freaking Christmas morning? Is this the only Christmas movie that doesn't take place on the actual holiday? (laughs) Wow. In other better Christmas movies, there is zaniness, zaniness, there's craziness, but then Christmas arrives and all is forgotten. Everything kind of resets. Instead, this movie ends with the national anthem. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my theory on that is this movie was supposed to not just be about Christmas. It was supposed right. to be secular Christmas, and it wasn't just supposed to be secular Christmas. It was specifically American secular Christmas, and they're really like hitting it right there on the head by <laughs> incorporating both the Star Spangled Banner and the National Anthem. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The decision to like lean into the American themes, I think is, I mean, it's, it's clearly for laughs, right? It is absolutely absurd. Um, it is like a really sort of insane moment when it happens, right? And it's just because it's like so out of place, you know, um, because normally you're singing the national anthem on like 4th of July, which takes place like on the other side of the calendar. Right, right, right. So it's just, it's just really, it's just really not supposed to be in this moment, but then it is, which I think, you know, is a good recipe for comedy, but like so much else in this movie it feels so weird to me. It almost feels like it's being done ironically. Like this movie is trying to connect some sort of like, like America to some other theme, maybe about the inherent rigidity of rigid hierarchy of the office or the lack of support for the poor (laughs) mentally ill or the unrealistic expectations put upon the American working class. But you know, this is, (laughs) this is, definitely not yes what this movie is trying to do instead it's just an empty shell hoping you will watch it laugh quote it and then nothing more i i think that's that's very apt um originally when i when we listened to that first uh quote about uh what clark was going to be what they're doing at the beginning of the movie like dad where are we going what are we doing right now i was hoping um, that there was something in this movie that was almost rebelling against what the classic secular American Christmas is to like try to poke holes in it and say, um, look actually how hellish this is in a certain, <laughs> in a certain light, you know, sure. like even though we have good intentions for Christmas, some of the things that we like say, decide we have to do or force upon ourselves actually is counter to that. And maybe there's some things that are problems that maybe Clark Griswold can show us that how silly those things are. And then we can get to a solid point at the end where it's like, here's what Christmas should be. And like, let's try and 
not let's try not to let all like the the things that get mixed in there get in the way like we go shopping and there's like a bunch of scenes of like money being exchanged gifts being wrapped stuff like that and what happens while they're shopping clark gets all horny with the woman who's selling underwear doesn't give you an endorsement of it but it also doesn't criticize it it's just like did you know that there is shopping during christmas boom that's it no like uh, like absolutely right. no commentary on it at all um same thing like what you're saying like they bring up the american flag and they're like this is how we do things in america no commentary at all it just literally is <laughs> and that's it yeah no i think you're right and i think like doing a little bit of research about National Lampoon, like that, what you're describing is sort of its bread and butter when it was first coming out. Like it was the kind of the goal of that publication by like the founders was to like take down institutions. It was to make fun of th- like things that we um, not necessarily take for granted, but like things we hold in reverence. And like it, the, it's like, you know, kind of not necessarily motto, but like its mission uh, was to like nothing was sacred. Like everything deserves to be ridiculed. We can make fun of anything. Uh, everything deserves to be taken down a notch. You know, nothing should be taken that seriously. And I think that American Christmas and the traditions that, you know, the Clark, that the Griswold family goes through is, you know, ripe for, uh, you know, satirization or parody right uh to say oh look how silly it is that like they're doing all they're going through all this effort to get a tree when they could just do this or whatever and but (laughs) the problem with that is that clark griswold is the good guy and everything he does is supposed to be right and he's totally redeemed and rewarded in the end right if it was like oh actually um he went over like overextended himself and totally missed christmas because he did all these extra things that weren't important then maybe like that has some sort of meaning there and you're like okay well really the true meaning of christmas is like is something else is about being together or sharing important moments with your family or seeing you know family members that you don't normally see or i don't know something like that but instead it's like no this is like it's just like what you said this is what christmas is you have to have a tree you have to have presents <laughs> gotta have turkey you have to have lights yeah. you have to ruin your neighbor's lives like all these you know all these things that are normal to christmas i guess I, I don't know maybe that was like part of the original idea of this was to be like hey let's take these ideas and you know kind of like you know just kind of poke fun at them and um i think this movie does do that but it's completely toothless right it just ends up saying oh like it's just another sort of endorsement of the normal holiday tradition and i'm not even saying that that is bad like i think i love no. having a christmas tree and lights and stuff like that i have a blow-up dragon on my balcony right now like all that is fun to me um but that doesn't mean that it wouldn't be fun to make fun of that too right it's always like that's when set like satire is the best right is when it's making fun of you when you like, you realize you do something and then someone makes fun of you for that that's hilarious yeah that's like <laughs> that's like how you grow as a person like that's the best kind of comedy but like I don't, this movie's not there. I, yeah, I, I'm no, not it, sure it just, what's. It doesn't. I, even I'm not even seem... sure if it's trying to be that, or if it's like if it missed the mark, or if it was, if it was like it got lost in the sauce, or if it was just um, 
never even trying to do that. I, I'm no, just, uh, I, I think it's the latter. It is. It never tried to, and there isn't anything else that it was trying to do. So it just comes out feeling kind of hollow. Um, right. I think the two of us uh, think a little similarly, and we saw the scaffolding set up for what could have been a hilarious satire of American Christmas traditions in the eighties, uh, but they don't do that. And it, yeah. they also don't do anything else instead. So instead we're left with, kind of nothingness uh and instead we get to just focus on chevy chase which depending on who you are has mixed results so right. <laughs> uh yeah i think i think that's at the heart of this uh, as, uh roger ebert yeah. one of his reviews for this movie said that this movie is like full of as full of great setups but no payoffs and i think that's a- actually true it, when i after i read that there was so much that fit together for me um because i think that there is a lot of that there's a lot of stuff that is set up a lot of stuff that's going to happen and then just kind of doesn't. Yeah, no, and I'll, I'll kind of catapult off of that uh, point to bring up the boss's rapid change of heart where the the thing that made me interested in discussing this movie with you, and uh, I want to play the quote from the movie where the boss basically does a, a full 180 on his stance on Christmas bonuses. Sometimes things look good on paper, but... Uh lose their luster when you see how it affects real folks. I guess a healthy bottom line doesn't mean much if to get it you have to hurt the ones you depend on. It's it's people that make the difference. Little people like you. So, Carl, whatever you got last year, add 20%. Oh, so like you you said there's a lot of setups with no payoffs. This is an attempted payoff with no setup. This change of heart comes way too swift and without being earned at all. Literally just a bunch of sad faces convinces him to totally change his ways. Scrooge's uh, Scrooge's about face was pretty strange, and that took three spirits and a whole night. Meanwhile, <laughs> this guy changes in less than a minute. It wasn't built up or earned in any way. It was massively convenient and basically boils down to greedy boss bad, change of heart good. Yeah, but he's not even greedy, right? Like, he was... He was theoretically greedy. Um, and then he was like, oh, yeah. Like, what exactly is a bonus? You know, like, <laughs> like, like, does he have problems with object permanence? Like, does he forget that he has employees at when he, they walk out of his office? Like, yeah. I, I just really don't, like, understand. And, like, does that mean that he doesn't get a bonus, too? Like, does he recognize his own thing? I don't, like, there's so much about this that's, like, just unethical right about him like like for the last 17 years they promised people bonuses and then just suddenly pulling the rug out with no notification and like that's like everyone expects it and then they don't get it is like a serious pay cut with no sort of notification yeah yeah that's uh well it's 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 unethical but it's also just downright illogical it just doesn't make any sense that's how you go from having a bunch of tenured employees to having no employees right (laughs) like it doesn't make any sense and there was no justification for it either it wasn't like times are tough this year so i'm just doing the thing the fiscally responsible thing and cutting bonuses we have to make sacrifices around here or on the other end we could be 
like, I've decided that I'm the real value of this company. CEOs are the ones that make the real success. So I'm going to cut your bonus and add it to mine. And then at the end decide, oh, okay, I now see the value. But, but he would need to see the value somehow. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> by having that displayed in some way in the movie to to, to ha- ma- like make his change of heart go beyond just looking and being like oh wow i totally forgot my employees might have families you know right like, like, like it- that's like <laughs> what kind of villain are you when like <laughs> like it, you don't it, even conceptualize what your villainous thing is doing yeah like i would have seen it like yeah it doesn't even seem villainous as much as it just seems stupid he could just be like i'm sorry i'm kind of bad at this i don't remember that people have families like i just thought uh, i don't remember that my people need money i was decided to cut something out of the, the budget and we it was would just have more random money. i just i was throwing i was throwing darts at a wall and i was thinking <laughs> my, bonuses my brother's the real actor listen like <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah it just like a lot of things in this movie this is completely hollow and doesn't have anything any purpose in this film outside of giving it the like appearance of structure and giving us a reason to say now we can end the movie right so yeah pretty disappointing definitely and Uh, like a disappointing way to again hinge your whole movie on right like there's other conflicts that are introduced here, right? Ones that I think are more compelling. Yeah. You know, that like, but unfortunately, like, because Clark is, I guess, your central, like, point, you know, the, the thing that the whole movie revolves around, you have to have it be totally about him, you know? Um, and it's not even that he can't afford Christmas presents, right? Like, that would be, that would be too real, I think. <laughs> Way too real. It's like... It's that he can't get the pool, but like he's already put the deposit down, but like he doesn't say that he can't get the deposit back or anything, right? It's like that he can't get the pool that that you, the audience, doesn't even get to see except in a fantasy, right? Like it's, uh, I don't know, it's like it has no weight to it, and then it just totally just gets cut out from under you. Um, you know, this is a movie, I mean, it's supposed to be about a real family, right? But you could make it as absurd as you want it to be, right? You could say, like, they're going to lose their house or, um, you know, nobody's getting Christmas presents this year or, you know, little, t- like, Tiny Tim can't afford his medical bills, you know, because he's not, because uh, old Scrooge up here isn't um, sending down the, 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 the dollar bills. So you don't even have to go that far to invent some other conflict. We had a plenty, like... Honestly, Cousin Eddie should have been the main conflict for this movie. It should have been, like, once you see through Cousin Eddie's wacky exterior, you see a man, a family man, who's gone through rough times, and he needs help from his cousin or brother-in-law, Clark Griswold. His cousin-in-law, right? Sir, I I think it's his wife's wife's sister. No, you're right. No, 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 no. You're right, because they call him Cousin Eddie, so it wouldn't have been brother-in-law Eddie. Yeah, I thought he was Clark's brother for until they said cousin eddie right either way his relative <laughs> that needs his support and, and you may, get to and t- maybe and maybe eddie is just not very good at expressing that right maybe he's he's too prideful just kind of kind of like how clark is a little bit you wow. know maybe he's got a lot of a lot of pride and he can't admit that he needs help right You're right right and they and even though they don't get along after spending some time with him and getting to know him clark turns to cousin eddie and says you're not we're not so different you and i <laughs> You know, and, and they can, <laughs> and 
you know, they we really can, need to stop doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and they start to help each other. And then you could have the boss be like, like maybe he's instead of being just like, I'll just give Clark money. He'd be like, you know what? This guy's got some real muscle on him. This guy's got, he, he's really yeah. he's straight to the point. I'm hiring you as my lead bodyguard and I'm putting you <laughs> in a supervisor position. That's co- right. Completing the arc of cousin Eddie, not taking a job for seven years. because He's holding out for a management position. There you go. So, you know? <laughs> I need you to look over my warehouse or yeah. whatever. Right. Like, yeah. That's why I had to cut the, the ch- like the bonuses. Cause people keep robbing our company from all the like additives. <laughs> if we had somebody like you who could really like scare the like thieves away, then yes. we could like, and everybody can have Christmas bonuses kind of thing. Uh, but instead, cousin eddie is like does kind of take steps in that direction to being more of a compelling character but always at the end doesn't about face he's like i'm still just crazy cousin eddie yeah i'm still, I'm still like greedy and completely slimy. unhinged yeah yeah <laughs> so um anyways i think we've done enough <laughs> script doctoring on this movie um so let's let's move on to our cool easter eggs and um i found one that i thought was interesting the Griswold house still exists on some Warner Brothers uh, lot, and it was used as the house in WandaVision. No way. Yeah, and even though it doesn't always look exactly the same, it's the exterior of the house that's used, um, but even though it doesn't always look the same because WandaVision changes the way the house looks depending on what, what like era it is, yeah. it is the same house uh, on the exterior. So I thought that was Very kind of a cool, cool little dot connection uh for this iconic house and then um also do you know what a newel post is okay so i this is a reference to uh it's wonderful life life right oh my gosh i actually okay i knew there was some reason they brought that up but i couldn't figure it out right so so clark is um he's on his rampage he yes. has a chainsaw in the house right. and he he walks down the stairs but he on the way he notices that the banister top the newel post is loose which is a like a motif in it's a wonderful life it's like an annoyance that's uh, right for, yeah um what's his name george yeah um and um so in this movie he notices that and he takes the chainsaw to it and then he well he says uh fix the newel post <laughs> Okay. Uh, which you know, like it's a weird scene, but it's de- it's def. I mean, that's the only thing that the only thing that like makes a sense, right? Because oh, that's that makes a, so uh, much sense, and that's why I'm so glad you knew the answer because I was bringing it up to ask why they would bring that up because it's so um, the Newell Post is such a specific term uh, right. that I'm like, who would understand? Like, it seems like this uh, movie is kind of pointed at like the average person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, who? Knows what a what, new yeah, five is. That's a five letter word. A yeah. five dollar word there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Third> Griswold. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I'm glad you said that because that is a like a, an amazing reference to a very classic Christmas movie. So there you go. Cool. A little teamwork on that cool Easter egg. There you go. So I was looking for this as I was watching this. I kept thinking somebody's got to have recut this movie into a horror trailer, right? Oh, no. <laughs> and there, and there is one, and I'm not going to play it here. It's like four. It's like two or three minutes long. But um, we'll we'll put it in the in the description. But somebody definitely did take cut together a fake trailer for this movie called 
Clark. Um, and, it's, uh, and it's just all these unhinged things cut together with scary music to make it look like a horror movie instead of Christmas. Yeah, he literally uh, walks out in the looking like he's from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's pretty, uh, pretty on the nose reference. Um, no, there's lots of moments where he's just like screaming or like hitting things and like, you know, other people in the family look like they're worried. So, yeah, it's it's cut together cleverly. Um, so I found a good a good version of that uh, that you should check out. Cool. Um, from for the uh, r- riotous scene in which Snots the dog chases a squirrel through the house, both animals were trained for months. Then on the day of the shoot, the squirrel suddenly died. Uh, they don't live that long, the trainer told uh, Chechik, uh, who ha- now had no choice but to use an untrained squirrel. Wow. In the movie. So, <laughs> that, there you go. He, well, you know, I, that untrained squirrel really took full advantage of his opportunity because he was great. He definitely was like a, a real squirrel pinned to the back of Chevy Chase's sweater as he was running <laughs> up and down the stairs. <laughs> very convincing just like that um that cat in the box that chevy chase was definitely not just shaking (laughs) you didn't hear the meow sound (laughs) it was already in there (laughs) and and this is like a real easter egg but uh a little bit of a, a director's cameo um uh, Clark Griswold is laying in bed with his wife and he's reading People magazine and on the cover there says a new Wall Street but it is not a real picture of a real People magazine cover it is a picture of the director uh, standing there um, on the picture on the cover. oh that's so, fun yeah there you go that's a lot of fun um, okay well that is going to bring us to the end of our conversation about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation As we always do at the end of our episodes, we will deliver our ratings. Uh, Joey, what rating do you want to give to this movie? I give this movie 25,000 light bulbs that you painstakingly check one at a time. But then when you plug them all in, they still don't light. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, (laughs) That sounds awful. Honestly, I'm glad I wasn't alive in the era of one bulb breaks and it's all over lights. Okay, this, I always put this in my rating, but it's too long. But like, just plug them in one at a time. Well, and then you can tell. The, wait, 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 plug the bulbs in one at a time. The bulbs are on strands of lights. Right, on strands. Right, they plug into each other. They chain together, just like regular lights do. Sure. Uh, you know, they're just not put in parallel. Um, but like, even today's lights aren't always put in parallel. I think he's. I mean, he has to check each one to make sure they're not broken or something. But if you just plug them in then you can tell immediately which ones don't light. Uh, well, which strands don't light, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, 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 know, I agree with that. Um, I'm just saying that even then, like, I've, at least in my experience, we've hung up lights where one bulb can go out and the rest of the strand will still work. Right. So basically checking bulbs is just never a thing I did. We just were like, yeah, there's some that are out on that strand, but still basically looks like they're all there, you know? So (laughs) I'm glad that I don't have to go through that. Um, Well, I give this movie um, a shiny new RV so that Cousin Eddie can properly house his family Ah, Uh, because they are the most (laughs) compelling people to me, and I hope that they're (laughs) doing better now. I haven't seen the subsequent movies, but hopefully There was a sequel. There was a Christmas Vacation 2 that featured uh, Cousin Eddie that was about him and his family and his continued adventures. Well, listen, I'm not going to watch it, but I hope that they (laughs) turned out all right. Uh, So there you go. (laughs) 
That is our episode on National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Joey, what's next on Affable Chat? Next, we're taking a break. This is the last episode of 2021, but Affable Chat will return next year. That's right. We're going to uh, just enjoy the rest of the year, Christmas and New Year's, and then return with renewed uh, enthusiasm in the year 2022. So we'll see you there. And uh, But you can still enjoy more Affable Chat. Uh, the previous episodes we've already recorded can be found all over the place, uh, especially on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, then tell a friend about it. All you have to say is, have you considered listening to Affable Chat? You can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Affable Chat, or send us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. There's also a YouTube channel out there somewhere in the ether called Affable Chat that has videos. <laughs> it's very nice. <laughs> Affable Chat is live on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash Affable Chat. That's going to do it for this episode. For Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.